now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Video dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. And thank you, Mark Larson, Southern California. Welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy, and we appreciate you dialing us in tonight. We think we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. It's going to be fun Fast and informative, so hold on to your seats. Hey, B, well, let me just give you a rundown on who we have. First of all, we have Wayne Brazil with us. He is the champion of the One Bass North Open uh, at Clear Lake this past week. Wayne's going to join us right out of the gates. And then coming on at 6 o'clock, Dave Conway is going to be with us from Conway Custom Rods. We're going to talk a little bit about spinner baits, And hopefully, if we can get a hold of them, Randy Penny... Or will be with us from United Composites. And we're going to talk about what United Composites is doing in the rod world today. As usual, we'll have Phil Friedman and Captain James Nelson with us. But before we get to our first guest, let me first introduce to you the co-host of Ron Real Radio. He is a voice of one 800 bass boat and a pretty darn good fisherman in his own right. As he showed us this last weekend, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, howdy. Good evening, John. Good evening, everybody. It's been, it's been. I've been fishing well. I can't complain. I've had some bad breaks, but yeah, fishing's been good. Well, that is good to hear, and I understand. And we'll talk about it a little bit later on. I think you have some good news on some fishing that you did over this past weekend. So, kind of a bittersweet story, but still, good fishing, Stan. It's just bass fishing. It's All just right. What happens. Hey, also. All right, my other co-host for Ron Real Radio, she is a national sales manager for Iserline and one heck of an outdoorsman in her own right also, Ms. Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great. I got to practice shooting my bow today. And how did that go? It went pretty well. Not bad for a beginner. Good deal. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk about that later on, too. Also, live with me in the palatial AM 540, Rod Reel Radio Studios, the Annex located in La Mesa. Mr. David Conway. David, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Hey, we're going to get a chance to talk a little bit about United Composite. I understand you're doing some work with them. And we might even talk about different swim baits um, that have been on the market in the past and maybe that are on the market now. I look forward to that. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good to me, too. Yeah. Hey, Stan, though, <laughs> let, let me hand this on over to you, if you will, and introduce our first guest 
to our listening audience? My pleasure. <clears throat> For many years back in the past, I, when we had, I traveled all over the place fishing in the circuits, one of my favorite places was to go up north and fish in Clear Lake and up at Shasta. And you were always fishing those events with a group of really tough anglers because a lot of times those were the, our fish-offs at the end of the year. And uh, one of the guys that I had a, the, one of the most fun times just fishing back and forth because we were always in the competition. One, one was just in front of the other one way, and one guy would win, and one guy would just be right behind, whatever the situation was. But it turned out to be a great friendship, great relationship, uh, and the families <laughs> up there, I had a great time getting to know. But I, I'm honored to be able to call this man my friend. His name is Wayne Brazil, and he just won the uh, Juan Bass Clear Lake Open up there. And I'm proud to say he did a great job, and, and uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Stan, how's it going? Good, good to talk to you. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going pretty doggone good, my friend. And apparently it went really well for you here at the last, this last tournament. Uh, you had What kind of weather did you have for the, for the tournament? Yeah, the weather was not great. It was uh, a little overcast, and we get some rain off and on, and wind. And we'd had we'd actually had a big warm spell before the tournament, and then it turned cold for the tournament. So it got super tough. Oh, lovely! <laughs> That's actually yeah, a good thing exactly. for some people. Yeah, it, I mean, it was just I had to change everything I was doing. I, I hadn't planned to catch them the way I was, but that's how it ended up. So what did you do, you know, what were you on when you when the tournament started and what did you think you were going to do and this kind of walk us through day by day how it, how it went for you? Yeah, the first day, uh, the first couple of days of practice it was warm and uh, I really thought that they were going to move up and I might be able to do a little side fishing. And I was counting on that, but then I saw the long-range forecast and I decided on the second day of practice I better change that thought and uh, I went and found Actually, I just started drop shotting a little bit on the first day because I knew the second and third day were probably going to be a little better. So I, I wanted to stay close. And if you could say that, I was actually 13 pounds out after the first day, but I had a decent weight at 18 pounds, which <laughs> I thought was okay. And uh, I, uh, for the next two days, I, I went with a rip bait, and, that, and that's how I did it. So wait a minute, what'd you weigh the first day? How much? The first day I had 18 pounds. That was it. 18 pounds, <clears throat> and what was leading after the first day? Thirty-one. <laughs> that's in any other lake. That's a, not an insurmountable task to, to get that kind of weight. But you know, looking at what you got to do, you got two days to make that up, and the other guy has to be successful the next two days. So you keep your your wits about you. So what you would do the second day? You were ripping any kind of a bait you want to talk about, and explain well, what, ripping what too. Happened was, uh, ripping is where you're, you're throwing like a. You know, it's like a little, they call it jerk bait. Up here, it's, up here we rip a little bit different than most people. We do a hard rip up here. That's where you throw it out and you jerk the heck out of like a little, like a little crankbait or a Rapala or something like that. And you pause it and you jerk and you pause and the fish would easily hit it when it stopped. Perfect. So that's what we were doing. I, I decided to pick that up the second day. I was so far out and I loved the rip and I thought that was the only way I was going to be able to catch up. And actually, my wife had a talk with me after the first day, and she says, uh, you haven't been fishing that great this year. You need to pick it up a notch. And I figured that was the only way I was going to make her happy. Make her happy. <laughs> I love that kind of woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had, we had Edwin Evers on a few uh, weeks ago, and his wife almost told him the same thing on the last day, uh, or actually on the, 
the uh, second to the last day of the U.S. Open and said, "Honey, you can do it. I know we know you're you know you're way out of the standings, but you got it in you. You can do it. Go out there and get them." And look what happened to Edwin. So sometimes those wives have an intuition, Wayne. Yeah, you know, I've been having, I've been struggling. I've had, I haven't had a real good year. And, uh, like I said, I had 18 on the first day, 13 pounds out in a big tournament. Uh, I was thinking I wasn't going to weigh anything the second day. And all of a sudden I picked up that rib bait and they just went on it. They, they hadn't been on it and they turned on it. And I started getting my, I weighed 37 the second day. It got me back in it. I was still three pounds out even after weighing 37. Wow. So that's 37 pounds for five fish. Yeah, for five fish. Yeah, I, had, I basically had four nines and two fives is what I weighed. Wayne, were you catching a lot of fish on that second day on that rip bait that it gave you a lot of confidence, or were you just getting big bites? I probably caught 100 on it. Wow. Well, then. I caught through, through a lot of fish. You must be a culling champion for sure. <laughs> My hands are all raw, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you get bass thumb real quick with those big fish, especially when you got to start putting them on a beam or putting them on a scale. Yeah, when I say I catch 100 fish, though, I mean, a lot of them were like 12 and 13 inches. It was pretty easy. I'd catch 30 little ones, and then I'd catch a good one. I just had to stick with it. So did you have to fish north or stay north, or did you go south, or did you just kind of make your run around the lake? I stayed north the uh, the whole tournament. I never uh, I I never caught a fish south of Shag Rock. Really? Wow, that's yeah. That, it was all north. Now, that's pretty cool. Now, were you talking to the other guys? Were they catching their fish in the same way, or was everyone at that point kind of trash fishing because of the uh, the change in the weather? Now, a lot of guys were throwing the big glide baits and the big swim baits. And uh, they were they had been getting them very well, and I, I was worried about those guys. Uh, the guy that was leading, he was, he's a, he's a really good swim bait fisherman. He, he's, he does good up here every time, and I was real worried about him. But I, I could see it was starting to dwindle, and I just got lucky on the third day. They they kept biting for me. I got three good bites. The third day I had a, a couple of sevens and a nine, and then I had two small fish, and I weighed twenty nine the third day. And the the guy that was leading he only weighed three, which it helped me out quite a bit. Well, that's the thing about, you know, that three days of competitive fishing when you're in those, the open uh, situation. The first day, his fish are easy because everybody go out, they go out and they kind of mow the, the place down and they catch as many of those reaction fish as they can. The second day, you get on them, and if you can make, make your move and up your weight on the second day, going into the third day, you're good. Now, the what separates everybody is that third day and trying to get five good fish in the boat on the third day is sometimes uh, the task. You get that much pressure on the lake, um, it really, and I don't care what lake it is, Lake Mead has that same effect. And the third day, you got to go find five fish, period, and then worry about finding your big ones. Yeah, that third day is brutal. And uh, it's brutal every tournament, whether you're at the U.S. Open at Mead or you're at the Clear Lake Open at Clear Lake. It's tough to be able to catch them for three days. And i, I got to give a lot of credit to some of the guys. I was, I was fishing in the crowd, and on that third day, those guys all exited the area I was fishing and let me have it, and they said, go win it. And uh, I got lucky, got a few good bites, but it was super cool. Like Brett Lieber, a real good friend of mine, and Carl Keller, they were all over me, and they just they said, all right, we're leaving. You got it, man. Go win it. Wow. Cool guy. You know, there, there's that's a little cool. bit of the, the etiquette and the honor, and that's real old school. 
Uh, and you don't see that a lot in some of the tournaments, especially some of the bigger stuff that's down south. But out here, there's honor in the, in the professional ranks still, especially from the old guys that are out there. Hey, you know what? If it's not my tournament to win, we'll give you that shot. I think that's great. Yeah, you know, it was, a, it was a couple of guys that used to fish against you and I, Stan. Uh, Brett Lieber, you know Brett Lieber. He's been fishing oh, heck for yeah. years. And uh, he was out of it, and he was in my area when I got there. He saw me catch all of them the second day. He says, I'm going to be around there. I came in there, and he said, you have it, man. Take it and win this thing. And, and luckily I did. It was cool. You know, those guys really gave me a lot of room. Even the young guys came in and gave me a lot of room. It was cool to see. Well, that's that's pretty that's pretty good stuff. I like hearing that because so many times you hear, you know, tournaments where somebody was stepped on or somebody got, you know, in somebody else's face. And, you know, that's really good stuff when you have the guys working with everybody and, you know, let's give the guy that has the shot to win, give him a shot. And even at that, you still got to catch the fish and you still got to put them in the boat. But be able to go down through your area and give you your best shot, you know, go get them, man. Get lucky. But for them to clear out, it was cool. I mean, you don't really see that. In the old days, you saw it, but nowadays it's iffy now. But luckily, it was a couple of the old guys like us, man, and they let me have it. It was cool. You know, <laughs> Wayne, if, if you will, without divulging anything, how were you set up for this uh, this ripping or jerking technique with regards to rod, reel, pound test line? Were you using mono? Uh, were you using uh, spectra? And the bait you were using, shallow running, deep running, uh, uh Give us a little detail on that, would you please? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I, I use pal rods. I was using a pal cranking rod with a 10-pound test on a Daiwa Tatsula reel and a 10-pound fluorocarbon because I like to get my jerkbait down a little bit more. And I had two set up. I had one shallow because I was throwing shallow, and I was also catching them deep. I had a 128 Lucky Craft in a hitch color that I was throwing up in two to five feet of water and uh, ripping that. And then when you got out a little bit deeper to your 5 to 12 feet of water, I was throwing a Stacy 90 in a, uh American Shad color. Good job on that and everything like that. Now, tell us uh, your thoughts. You're, you're coming into the weigh-in of the third day. Were you feeling pretty confident, or uh, what was going through your mind when, it, when you were coming up to the scales? I lost a good one, and I thought that was going to cost me the tournament. But then I, about... 1.30 that day, I pulled up on a point, and I caught a couple of fish, and the guy that was in third place, who was one of the better fishermen up here, too, he told me he only had three fish, and he's one of the best swim bait fishermen up here, and I know the leader was a swim bait fisherman, so I started feeling a little bit better after that. And who was that, Wayne? when I came in, I saw the, the guy that was in third. Yeah, who was that? That was, um, oh, man, John Pearl. Oh, he's yeah. A local guy. He fishes up here all the time. And he, he's a good swim bait. I mean, that kid catches him. I call him a kid. He's a lot younger than me, so I can call him a kid. He's probably not a kid, but he's younger than me. <laughs> the whole world the is getting younger leading. around us. <laughs> exactly. And the kid that was leading it, he's a lot younger than me, too. I call him a kid. but And I know he's a great swim bait fisherman, too. But when, when uh, John told me that he only had three, I thought I had a chance. It was cool. And uh, we're... Did they do uh, the hot seat thing with you? Where'd you weigh in compared to some of the other guys weighing again? Uh, it was nice. I was actually in the last flight, so it wasn't as pressure cooker as it could have been. <laughs> uh, I weighed in. I weighed in probably ten boats from the end, and I took the hot seat. And uh, the rumor was that the guy out there only had three 
three fish, and I was like, oh, man, I'm worried about the guy third, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it, it, it worked. And then there was a guy that came from, I don't know, he was in, like, 10th place. He came with a big bag of 35 pounds, and I didn't know what he had the first day, and they called out 35. I didn't know if he beat me or what. So it was it was pretty pressure cooker, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, as Dan said, you know, you get pay, you get in the payoff by being consistent, and obviously, that happened to you. Now, after fishing the Northern Open, uh, you have plans to come on down and fish the uh, Southern Open at Lake Mead uh, coming up in September. You know, I'm I'm I have not fished Lake Mead at all, but my wife and I are talking about maybe doing a little vacation for a couple of weeks and coming down there. So it's it's a good possibility I might do that. I, I need to. I need to get out on that lake. I know there's a lot of good tournaments there, and I need to expand a little bit. Maybe we'll come down there. There's a good chance I might fish it. Well, as Ricky Clunt told us a couple of weeks ago after he won uh, on the St. John River, Lake Mead is absolutely the fairest lake in the country. Any Everyone that goes there has the same equal opportunity. All they have to do is in the pre-fish or whenever, trying to figure them on out and that's the real get for Lake Mead. Just quickly, Wayne, in the time that we have left, the sponsors that uh, stick behind you and help you get to where you are today. Uh, uh, Pal Rods. I, uh, the Pal, Keith Ryan from Pal Rods, he's my guy. He sets me up with everything, rods and clothing. He's sending me stuff all the time. And then also uh, Jimmy, that Clear Lake Bait and Tackle. I mean, that guy, He, if I need something, he's got it there for me the next day. All right. Well, Wayne Brazil, winner of the One Bass uh, Northern Open. Uh, congratulations. Great win for you, and, and I hope uh, this parlays into a lot of other wins for you for the season. And We hope we get a chance to see you down south here for the One Bass U.S. Open uh, come September. Hey, there's a good chance, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Stan, great talking to you. I haven't talked to you in a while. It's great, and uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. And by the way, great job on the tournament today. Real quick, you had a, you, you finished in a tournament today, and what happened in today's tournament? Uh, I got beat by .17 today. <laughs> I got second. I got beat by .17, and I lost a nine like with five minutes to go. Oh, my gosh. Where was this, uh, Wayne? This was on Clear Lake also. All right. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, second place is probably where maybe 60 or 70 other people that were behind you wanted to be, so not a bad job at all, sir. Yeah, that, you sound like my wife, because I was pretty disappointed. She goes, you got second. Don't be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of know how that feels. Wayne Brazil, yep, thanks exactly. a lot for being with us, and congratulations again for winning the One Bass uh, Northern Open on Clear Lake last weekend and doing a pretty good job this weekend, too. Hey, Wendy, Stan, and I, we got to take a break right now, but coming up next, the voice himself with what the heck is Phil thinking, Phil Friedman. We'll be all back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford 
knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at El Cajon Ford.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specialty heat treater to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone-crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance-tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio, everyone. Stan Vandenberger is here tonight. So is Wendy Toshara, my special in-studio guests. Also, David Conway is uh, with us, and we'll be talking to David later on swim baits and also the new line of United Composite Rods. But it's time for the voice himself, the host of PFO Outdoors with what the heck is Phil thinking? Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how's it going for you this week? It's going good, John. How are you doing? And, of course, it's really good to see Wendy and Stan and David uh, on the show with you today, really, really awesome to be here with you. 
It is great having you, you know, and not only that, it's great having you, I hopefully, in your own studio, much rather than pulled over on the side of the road like last week trying to, you know, gin out a report. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm back in the studio, and I've got to tell you that I just walked off the beach, and I'll tell you the action down here in the surf, while not on uh, game fish, but, you know, the type of fish you normally uh, surf fish for, was really good. I'm going to get to that in a moment, but a lot, a lot down here, John. You there? I'm here. All right. I'm sorry about that. You were about ready to give us your report. I'm ready. Okay. Let me uh, start a little bit further south than I normally do, only because on our Spanish-language radio show, I interviewed a great captain down there at Croc Bay, Crocodile Bay in Costa Rica, Anthony Santos. And down there at Croc Bay right now, they've got some good inshore action with big roosters, but they're raising about 20 to 30 sails per boat down there right now. So the sailfish action is tremendous in Crocodile Bay, and I've been there and experienced it. It is a really great resort, and people like my wife who could care less about fishing, they also could have a great time because there's kayaking and ecotourism, and um, there's all kinds of great stuff. In fact, this was back in a time where I had a camera, John, that was not really that great. It didn't really zoom in that well, and I kept telling Ruth, I go, just a little closer. Come on, just move a little closer. So she kept getting closer and closer to this eight-foot crocodile that I really wanted a great photo of. And uh, she was ready to kill me after that. But we got a great photo of it. And, uh, and I didn't have to double her life insurance. So you know, we, we... I, can, uh, I can second the motion on that report. Pat Baszler, who has a, a ranch and farm just right across from Crocodile Bay, has uh, was in contact with me over the past week, and he was saying that the rooster fishing there is beyond belief, and, and the fishing is really coming on back. So, man, Costa Rica is red hot. So you're right on with that report, Phil. It's rocking, and Patrick is a great guy. I talk to him all the time, and most of the time we laugh because it's two gringos speaking Spanish to one another, but he's a great <laughs> guy. Hey, let's move up into our hemisphere a little bit further up the line here and make a left-hand turn at Point Loma and go down 120 miles till we get to a place called Colinette, Punta Colinette. And, man, I mean, that yellowtail bite down there all season long has been off the hook, and it's just continuing down there. Great yellowtail action, and it's changed a little bit. You know, on the Pacific Queen, they had limits of these big yellowtail. They were saying they thought the yellows had grown up a little, like 18 to 30 pounds now, and also kind of exhibiting some of that springtime behavior that we love, John. You know, surface iron, fly line bait. Really working well. And there has been some spots of bluefin tuna outside of there also. So that is still around. But just tremendous fishing at Colinette on Yellowstone. And we don't even mention the fabulous bottom fishing they also have down there. So you've got it all at Colinette. And that has been going on for a long time. It's been a spectacular bite. No matter where you look in this big world of ours, it's hard to beat that. Speaking of the bluefin tuna, kind of off the chew a little bit here. Some hits going on here uh, from time to time, but it kind of got off the bite a little bit, maybe due to these storms. I I just, I don't get that whole thing with the storms because to be perfectly honest with you, we did have a little bit of rain, but there was no wind at all. And when we have had wind, we certainly have not uh, seen the bites take a back seat to that. They come, they're so resilient. They come roaring back. There's so much warm water up and down the water column. That really hasn't been a problem. So maybe that stuff's just moved a little bit and hopefully it'll get back on the bite. Once again, the bluefin, a lot of them, 15 to 25 pounds. 
They are a little bit line shy. You've got to choose a good hot bait. Fluorocarbon, 20 pounds, works really, really well. I did an interview, and it was about 20-some minutes with Eddie Leland. He's an old captain, used to run the Enterprise here in the Los Angeles area. And Eddie really went into great detail about what it takes to get a bite on those things. He had a great trip on the Voyager. He raved about the great service he had in that neck of the woods. Talking to some friends of mine down there in Ensenada, Joseph Zaragoza and Rick Slater. They both run boats there out of Ensenada, and they've had yellows up crashing around Todos Santos Island and elsewhere, biting the surface iron, biting the yo-yo iron, biting the slow-trolled mackerel. Really some good yellow action going on there. And bluefin tuna, kind of close to there, but off the bite right now also. you just got the feeling that that's going to click into gear here very, very soon. San Clemente Island, a few yellows out there. That also has been kind of off its game, but good rock fishing, so you do get the stack fillers there. Catalina kind of off also, a few yellows and mostly smallish yellowtail. There's some rock fish and a few bonina and a few calico bass there. San Nicolas Island has been great for the bottom stuff. The El Dorado was out there recently, and uh, just about limits of whitefish, sheep's head, and other rockfish, shallow water variety, really, really fun stuff in that neck of the woods. Channel Islands, great rock fishing for the boys up there, Pacific Islander, the Aloha Spirit, the um, Mirage, the Gentleman, all those guys have had really outstanding fishing in the Channel Islands, no doubt about that. Surf fishing, well, um, you know, I do the sound bite. I try to do it every day, but I'm kind of lazy once in a while, John, so I don't get it done every day, but I did it today, and I said the surf bite was slow here in Surfside, and Eddie Leland was fishing down at Dog Beach around Huntington Beach and slow there, and then I look down, and I see all these birds, and I see Eddie still down there. So I walked down there with a video camera, and, man, was the surf alive. There were anchovies crowded up on the beach, and the white turns were making such a racket. You could hear them from miles away, it seemed like. You got down there, and the birds were picking. And, uh, there were, as I said, you know, we weren't catching corvina. We weren't catching yellowfin croaker. We weren't catching fish like that. But, man, rays all over the place, some big mystery fish that we popped off down there. Actually, I was videotaping that. He was doing all the fishing. And uh, also uh, some short halibut, some jack smelt. Uh, really great action. Looks really, really good. And this going on right in the middle of this grunion run. Tonight is the fourth night of a grunion run. So, man, I mean, there sure is a lot of bait coming in here. And some grunion on top of it might just kick the whole thing into gear. Looks pretty darn exciting. And it looks good for our May 7th surf fishing showdown in uh over here at big fish bait and tackle in seal beach starting to get all kinds of prizes now up over 30 fishing trips a brand new rod from Acura to hotel stay down in beautiful laredo baja california 20 dollars entrance fee and you get a lucky craft lure a raffle ticket a barbecue a measuring device i mean the lucky crafts 20 bucks so you can't beat it and all those proceeds We'll go to our Veterans Day fishing trip where we take Marines and their kids and families from Camp Pendleton out fishing, and as well as some uh, other guys, um, some uh, veterans also from other branches in the armed forces. So looking forward to that. John, um, some sad news here in Redondo. There's a guy by the name of Taurus. He was a uh, Taurus Posnick who uh, was a, a captain in Redondo Beach. My son Philip worked for him. I've known him for many, many, many years. And more recently, I saw him. He ran a 36-foot uh, dive boat, the Island Diver, for dive and surf in Redondo Beach, California. And I went down there with Deborah Gonzalez. Deborah uh, was on our Aventuras radio show, and she wanted to get certified. So I went with Tessa, who was her coach, and 
walked on the boat, and, you know, out of nowhere I hear this, oh, my God, Phil Friedman. I look up, and I go, oh, my God, Taurus, I haven't seen you for way too long. So we, I got to spend some quality time with him. Well, he was free diving for big white sea bass. He got hooked on doing that over the weekend. He went missing. Uh, they found his uh, spear gun floating and later recovered his body. And, uh, and there's so many people that are devastated over this, people over there at Dive and Surf, and a lot of people who knew him. He had a 14-year-old daughter, Desiree, whom he loved very, very much. Danny Erickson from Marina Del Rey Sport Fishing and Tessa from Dive and Surf. They were in constant contact with him. I saw him every once in a while. And um, so there's a, a lot of sadness floating around the Santa Monica Bay. And, uh, you know, what can you say? Life is uh, so precious and so fragile, John. It's gone before you know it. So um, we'll keep him and his family and and everybody around him in our thoughts and prayers. No doubt about that. That is uh, indeed sad news. I saw that note uh, over the Internet and our condolences to not only his family, but all of his friends out there in the fishing community, Phil. Uh, Absolutely. Let, you know, just getting onto this bite a little bit, you know, Chuck and Bobby Taft were talking about it the past couple of weeks. These fish that are out there aren't necessarily fish that are moving up. They believe that these fish are home guard fish, and that, that's why they're, they're as big as they are. They haven't gotten anywhere, but because of the conditions or more boats going after them, they're biting and they're bigger fish. You know, Phil and uh, Stan, what are your thoughts about that? Go ahead, Phil. I'll give you mine in the second place. Okay, well, I, you know what? I wouldn't question those two guys. They're on the water an awful lot, and they're the guys who got this whole thing going this year. I think that is entirely possible. Years ago, we used to catch albacore very, very early in the season, and we wondered, are these the migratory fish? Is this the beginning of the migration, or are these these home guard fish that hang out at Guadalupe Island? And there, there were fish that used to do that, so why not with the bluefin? And especially given the type of conditions, the warmer water, the bait that we've had i think it's entirely possible and i mentioned that a lot of that bluefin is 15 to 25 pounds but up off dana point man i got a photo who sent me this photo eddie i think eddie leland sent it to me i'll post it up in a little bit of these 50 60 pound bluefin caught off dana point just last week so there's a mix of fish and i think the theory is viable well you know what we've seen over and over over the years is when some of this depending on the currents and and the warmer warmer water moves in and then next year we get currents that move it out but when that when the fish come in a lot of the times they stayed through december here and and then the guys just quit fishing them because weather gets in the way and the water changes you know the fish move out of the area that they were in but that it seems like there is an element of that fish that doesn't go very far because they follow food First and foremost, they want to eat. And if the bait doesn't move, and we really didn't have weather conditions that changed what the currents did, nor the water. The water stayed warm all through the year. It's only gotten better since the first of the year. We still had weather, but the boats have gotten out. And when they did, like when Bobby goes, I'm going to go out and see if they're still out there on the 60, and they were. And then they said, well, they were on the 43. They got them outside of four miles off the bank again outside of Newport here, or eight miles out, rather, uh, the other day. And that fish was around for a few and then went down. This is not uncommon, by the way, for bluefin. You know, they'll be here for a few days, and all of a sudden they just disappear, and then all of a sudden they pop back up and start feeding again. Uh, or they just go to a different area and somebody else finds them. But it's, it's not abnormal for that fishery to just change and day-to-day and day as we see it. But it, this is 
pretty, you know, like you were saying with the albacore. The albacore used to stick around, and they would play if you had the cold water and, and the currents didn't change, and there was bait in the water. So, you know, this looks like it could be that same kind of stuff, same kind of year. You know, Stan, I, I agree. And, and Stan, hey, by the way, Stan, I ran your 60-pound yellow down. I don't know if you saw that post, but I think that might be it. Did you see that post? Dan Kelly had a 58-pound yellowtail fishing out by the 150 about the time you were talking about it. And uh, there's a post up on a big, beautiful fish. So I just wanted to let you know I just uh, was reminded about that because I was sitting next to him at a KC Anglers Club meeting, and he said, man, I had a 50. I go, oh, my God. Dan was talking about that recently, I think. So we, uh, I yeah, think we so ran had that 60-pounder, and I don't know where it was, <laughs> but I didn't get the boat. I didn't have time to do the homework, but thank you. That's good stuff. You know, uh, guys, and one of the things I've heard uh, with the fishermen checking what these – Bigger yellowtail have been eating. You know, and we've been talking about sardines, anchovies. We've been talking about the the tuna crab. They have been finding red crab in them, but the type of little red crabs that uh, they'll eat off the bottom with the little claws and everything else like that, the actual, you know, little red crabs. So these fish, you know, are on the bottom eating stuff because we also got report they're eating a lot of uh, uh, of the lizard fish too. So, uh, man, it's got to be a free for all out there. I can't the wait. <laughs> I want to get in the. I want to get in the stern with Stan and fly line my lizard fish one day and get a hang <laughs> a big yellow one on that. You know, not, not everybody would understand that. I know. Hey, Phil, <laughs> hey, you're doing so many things. You got the live blog. You got the Spanish uh, speaking. Uh, uh, a program on uh, where does one go to try and get the full essence of Phil Friedman outdoors? Let me tell you, there's this mental hospital, and it's uh, over in Huntington Beach. You know? <laughs> Just hey, off of PCH, isn't it? <laughs> go to com, and if you go to the store, you can sign up for that surf fishing tournament that I talked about, the Surf Fishing Showdown, 20 bucks. You'll get a Lucky Crab Lure and a whole bunch of other stuff. Come to the barbecue and a chance to win a lot of great prizes. So PFO Radio or PFOmedia.com, PFO on Facebook. And then for our Spanish-speaking hermanos y hermanas, you can go to Aventuras al Aire Libre on Facebook or www.aventurasalairelibre.com, and you can get all the very, very latest. And, of course, we're on Instagram, YouTube, uh, and all the rest of it too, John. All right, Phil. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, we're not going to have a live show next week because Wendy and I, we will be at day at the docks, and I've got a feeling you might be there too. So it's going to be all new recorded stuff, but we look forward to speaking to you not only during the week, but live again on Rod and Real Radio on two weeks, Phil. John, sounds good. I'll see you at day at the docks. Wendy, Stan, and John, and David, and, of course, all the listeners. Have a wonderful finish to your Sunday. All right. Hey, that's it for this segment of Rod Real Radio. Coming up next, Captain James Elson with a California Inshore Report. But we all got to take a break right now. Stay tuned. Lots more to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics. McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. 
If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Southern California, Wendy, Stan, and David Conway, we welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Hey, before we get to Captain James Selson, we just want to remind everyone... The Yellowtail Derby for 2016 is going to be kicking off April 30th. It runs through June 5th. It's for Yellowtail, White Sea Bass, and Halibut. It's going to be a, uh, an extravaganza for sure. I know you're going to want to get into. If you want more information about the Derby, get a hold of uh, the director, uh, John Cabell, at yellowtailderby.com. There you can find your entry form. I, uh, you can find your, your information sheet for weighing in. You can find the schedule. But you don't want to miss this year's Yellowtail Derby, especially, as uh, Phil told us, if there's 56-pound Yellowtail out there, you want to be going oh. after that baby. Hey, it's now time for the Southern California Inshore Report with a fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. Captain James, welcome to the show. How'd this past week go for you? Well, as always, thanks for having me. But you know, I can't even talk anymore. You, you just sixty-pound yellowtail, John. <laughs> Sixty pounders, buddy. Been swimming right, around out there. Hey, All you got to do is go. swim into the boat. Let's, yeah, let's sign up for the derby and let's go. And let's just you yeah. know, let's, let's just forget our day jobs, John. Let's just go. Everybody else will have to wait. Just you and. The, <laughs> Well, you know, wow. the, you know, Stan and 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 uh, Jim, if if uh, you agree with me or not, but if you get a sixty pound yellowtail on, I mean, that's something you you have to be ready to catch with the gear. You're not you're not catching that on a on a twenty pound rig or anything else like that. And if you are, you're in for one heck of a struggle. You're you're loaded for bear if you're if you're catching uh, sixty pound fish like that. Well, you know, I mean, I. I 
I've been preaching to the choir out here. If you're going to be out there yo-yo fishing for this stuff that's off our coastline here, it's all been big stuff. Even the stuff off of, off of Santa Monica, for goodness sake, it was 30 pounds or 35-pound fish. Well, you don't go, and they're usually over rock. You know, we don't have the kelp right now so much because of the warm water, but they're not, they're always around something they can rub you, <laughs> rub you off on. And, and, and if you hang one, you'd like to be able to get them in. So yo-yo with 60 pound string, at least you got a shot at it. Yeah. And Jim, uh, uh have you seen any, any, uh, uh, signs of yellowtail within our local, uh, you know, near shore waters or anything like that or, I've I've seen the pictures that you've been posting, and boy, your customers—they're keeping you busy out there with a lot of different species. But I don't think I've seen any yellowtail yet. No, you know what? We haven't really been after them that well. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> like a lot of private boaters, I kind of have to adhere to small craft advisory. So we've been staying in the bay <laughs> oh, a lot. Come on. <laughs> 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 my customers just don't like getting wet, Stan. That's well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, big, big, big waves and lots of stuff splashing over the sides. I um, mean, I don't know what's wrong with these people. But, yeah, you know. Well, that you know, my insurance guy, you know, as it is. Yeah, your insurance guy probably would would particularly like it if you stay out of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jim. Though the the uh, uh, the real joy, though, of your type of fishing, even when we get inclement weather or we get swells coming up, you know, unusual. The past two storms that hit us was coming up from the south, and they say the next one now will be something from the north. But when you're fishing in a place like San Diego Bay, there's always somewhere to fish, and it seems like there's always something to go after, and you're proving it. Oh, absolutely, John. You know, that bay is just full of fish uh, one way or the other. Today uh, was probably the most off day that we've had in the last week, two weeks, actually. And we still caught fish. I mean, it's just a matter of doing it. And so, I mean, even if it even if it's off, you're still going to catch something. And as long as you're not picky, you're going to catch something in, in San Diego Bay. It's just that simple. So much there. Um, you know, you've got 14 and a half miles of, of water to roam, so you just moving until you find them. Yeah. Jim, you know, uh, uh, we got a lot of calls during this week about grunion running and where to get the grunion and everything else like that. But when the grunion are running, uh, are they, the grunion also, running in certain places in the in the bay? And does it affect bay fishing? Oh, yeah, it does, John. And, you know, it's kind of funny that, that you mentioned that because it's something that a lot of people don't realize. I mean, uh, it it redistributes where the where the fish are going to be, uh, especially the the hardcore hunter type fish, rather than just the ambush predators. And right now, uh, you know, when it comes to fish like the short fin corvina, I mean, they're hardcore hunters. Uh, I haven't seen them yet, but I wouldn't doubt that we'll start seeing bonita soon. And uh, so, th- those are the things to look for that change a little bit. We're already seeing a lot better sand bass uh, quality right now in the bay. And that changes, too, where you normally would catch a sand bass, say, on the ledge of the 40-foot range. Right now you can get some uh, decent sand bass fishing within 15- to 20-foot ledges. So they're they're just coming up and staging differently, coming up a little shallower than maybe they would. And they're not going to be there for long. They're usually there just long enough for that run and then come back out to their deeper haunts where they're, they're more comfortable. 
And uh, even the ambush predators, like, say, the spotted bass and the halibut, I mean, really get turned on when the grunions start running, too. Wow. Are, are there, uh, uh, are these fish, you know, basically working groups of grunion that are suspended uh, off the channels, or do you find them uh, normally more in the, the flats or somewhere where they might have access to uh, a sandy beach? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not a grunion run chasers, per se, because a lot of those guys are doing that at night. Um, so from what I understand from guys who do that, yeah, they really are looking for places where where the grunion are going to be on the beach. By the time I get out there in the daytime, those fish are pulled off. But um, for those of us who do fish during normal hours, that actually is something to, to look into because you can actually get those fish, just look for, like you said, those transition beaches. You may not get them on the beach in 10 to 20 feet of water, but those fish will be pulled off a lot of times during the daytime. It's, and that was especially true today because we had we launched at I mean really low tide, and uh, we had nothing but incoming tide throughout the day. So you know overnight that was a good bite, and uh, we well, we got a part of it today as yeah. the tide was coming in. We just got those fish a little deeper than they would at night. If the grunion are running for three or four days in the bay, you know that during the day they're not just sitting out there having a smoke or a, a quick meal or something <laughs> like that. I mean, they, well, you they, know, to each his own. What they do after they spawn? I mean, maybe they're I, having Chinese takeout. I don't know. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, it seems like they go back in for more afterwards. So they they've got to be grouped <laughs> up or huddle up or doing something out there because uh, you know for sure. They're not on the beach, but, you know, also, you know, they're going to be on the beach again uh, the next night. Yeah, you know, that's very, very possible, and that, that is the thing, and it's a, definitely something that they do around moon phases, and, of course, with moon phases come big tide changes. Right. Now, Captain James, uh, this is uh, going to be interesting. I know that uh, you fish regularly uh, in the bay and the offshore area. And I just noted that, uh, that the San Diego Sports Fishing uh, Council, they posted the itinerary for the 2016 Day at the Docks. And there's all kinds of great things to do there. There's bands, there's seminars, there's exhibits, there are exhibitors, there's things for the kids. And then I'm going down the list of, um, of uh, people that are going to be pairing certain seafood things and... What do you know? Captain James Nelson is going to be there, and he's going to be cooking for us. Tell us, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> well, John, as you know, you and I both have, actually, the whole fishing community has has one uh, ally that, once you get to know her, she could talk into doing anything. And uh, <laughs> after a couple of uh, email exchanges, before you know it, Catherine Miller's got me cooking. And I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you got going on? So what can I do? I can't say no to her. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to be cooking. And uh, what are we going to talk about? Uh, you know, uh, five different ways to cook lizard fish. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that or or you know, we got little fish moving on the sand. We can catch and hold here. I mean, you could you could do a whole gauntlet of you know what you can catch in the bay and what you can catch on the sand when it wiggles up at night. There you go. We'll just crisp up some of those grunion for you, Stan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we call it, used to call those uh, grunion sticks. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, well. here's the theme, to, to be on a more serious note. And, and this is something that I discussed with her, and something that 
it goes goes back to the old. If you remember the the original uh, Sam the Cooking Guy shows, you know, it just seemed like he just pulled stuff out of his cupboard. It wasn't specialty type items, and this fits right into to the schedule because if you look right before me, I mean, you got gourmet chef Maria. You know, has she's going to be cooking up? How can you follow her? I mean, I got no, I got no skills that I can follow her up with, unless I just take it like the old Sam the Cooking Guy type stuff and just do. You know, simple, basic stuff out of your cupboard type cooking. So that, that, that's the theme. I'm going to cook um, something that you could just take stuff out of your cupboard. Because I don't know about you guys. When I go fishing, yes, I want to catch fish. And there are times when I want to bring them home to eat. But I never can plan those things to go along together. So when I do bring home fish, maybe I didn't plan on having some fresh parsley. Or maybe I didn't plan on having some fresh lemon or whatever else I'm going to cook the fish with, fresh uh, oils and stuff. So what I'm going to do is you just got, here's the thing, you just got some fish. Either your neighbor went out and caught them or you caught them surprisingly. You caught a halibut or something you want to bring home. And now you're going to cook it with stuff that's right in the cupboard. So that's that's the whole theme is stuff right out of the cupboard that you can just grab and start cooking fish and still make it taste like it's it's good food. You know, you know I'll give you a perfect example of that. We were out, we were up in Alaska, and we were out at the King Salmon Run on the Nushigak, and we we flew in, and and uh, it had been inclement weather for several days, and we got there, and they, it, there's not a lot of communications going back and forth because the radios were down, a lot of things weren't happening. We got there to the camp, and, and uh, we had some fresh salmon that the guy that was living there or staying there, he goes, yeah, I just cooked it up because you know, I needed to get it ready for you guys to have something to eat, but, you know, we didn't have much here, so I, used, I, I fried the uh, salmon, with pancake batter and, you know, made a little beer and salt and pepper and, and put it together so you've got something hot to eat. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. And he goes, there I just had to use what I had here. Well, you know, uh, Jim, uh, when I got a hold of Catherine Miller and we were talking here, uh, especially uh, she was kind enough, Wendy and I are going to be the MCs for the event again, and thank you very much, Catherine Miller, for allowing us to do that again for another year. But I said, you know, you want to bring uh, uh, James Nelson aboard and have him bring the Studebakers over there and play on the main stage. And she goes, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but I want to save that good stuff for Gator by the Bay. So I'm hoping that's going to happen, and I look forward to seeing you a day at the docks to see what you're uh, you're going to be cooking up for us, Captain James. Well, you know, yeah, it'd be great, John, and hopefully that that's the thing that people walk out with, go, hey, that's pretty neat, maybe I'll try some of that stuff at home, or, or they'll think, you know what, he's a hack, but, you know, I'm going to use some of his ideas and make them my own and, and make them better. <laughs> Whatever I do, if I inspire folks to just get out there, have a good time, um, you know, keep some fish that you're going to eat, eat them fresh, you know, let the other fish go, whatever it takes to get folks out there and having a good time fishing, eating, and enjoying, I mean, those omega-3s that fish provide for. All right. Well, I'll guarantee James? you, James, that most of the people out there aren't gourmet chefs, and, and they're not going to take the time to do the gourmet meal all the time, but they'll do the simplified version and make it taste good. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, Captain James, not only do you look, we look forward to seeing you at Day at the Docks, we will not have a live show on uh, uh, next Sunday night because we will all be at Day at the Docks, but we'll have a recorded show with all new interviews and new information. But still, you're going to be going out during the week if people want to get a hold of you either for this week or coming up in the next couple of months. How's the best way to do it? 
Well, they could always reach me at the website. It's thefishicon.com. They could check out the Rod and Reel website, or they could uh, give me a phone call, 619-395-0799. All right. Captain James Nelson, thanks a lot for that great report, and we'll be uh, not only seeing you next week, but talking to you again live two weeks from tonight on Rod and Reel Radio. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks again for having me. I'll talk to you next week. Or All right. After. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's it for the first hour of Rod and Reel Radio. But, boy, there is a lot more to come. David Conway from Conway Custom Rods is going to be with us. And also Randy Penny from United Composites. We're going to be talking about fishing rods and swim baits and all kinds of ne- neat things in the next hour. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, I, and I will be back after these messages. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks no matter what you're hauling or towing for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert now get special savings on every f-series truck in stock 150s 250s 350s at el cajon ford we have commercial trucks too including the all-new transit connect finally a commercial van with great mileage helping your business get moving again el cajon ford worth the short drive from anywhere in southern california broadway and east main and el cajon or online anytime anywhere at el H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your Quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal.mesa at 619-466-8355.
Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Welcome back, Southern California, to the second hour of Ron Real Radio. Now, if you missed any of Ron Real Radio or you're having a hard time getting us, Ron Real Radio is available as a podcast that you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. All you do is just search for Ron Real Radio, and man, it pops up. Or you can just go to ronrealradio.com, listen to us live, or go to the archive page, and you can hear any of the shows that Stan, Wendy, and I have been on for probably the past 10 years. So that's ronrealradio.com. Hey, I'm excited about our next guest. We've got actually two guests with us. We've got David Conway from Conway Custom Rods, and we've got Randy Penny with us from United Composites. And Dave, if I can, would you like to introduce Randy to our listening audience? Yes. Um, so Randy Penny came over from Seeker, and now he's with United Composites. Randy, how you doing? Real good tonight, guys. How are you? Oh, great. Hey, Randy, thanks a lot for uh, being with us. You know, we we had you first on when you, you made the transition, and if you can, briefly tell us a little bit about United Composite Rods and how it has evolved since you've taken <laughs> over the helm. Well, you know, originally it was the Graphite USA company. It went through a few changes after that and later on became Hastings Rod Company. Um, I believe that Peter Williams bought it from the Hastings Group and then renamed it United Composites. He was doing business under United Tackle. Um, I was very fortunate when when um, things came to an end over there at Seeker for us and this this was available. And Peter made it available for us to take over this business and I'm very thankful to him for that. But um Right. What I've really noticed is it's such a wonderful technical process building these particular type of rods that, that we've um, we've really knuckled down and learned how to build all the original Graphite USA stuff. And, and since then, we've uh, moved ahead and come out with some composite blanks built on the same technology, and now we're building finished rods. And, and then on top of that, we've got the old Pep Jig Company and the Killer Jig Company there at the plant. And our newest addition is surfaceiron.com, which is our new website strictly for jig fishermen. Well, now, Randy, one of the I, things, uh, uh, you know, Graphite USA was noticed for was what they call their dual helix technology uh, that uh, uh, Richard Kantner had originally come up with uh, to be able to build a rod that was lighter, stronger, uh, you know, state of the art. Uh, are you still using that technology and has what you are doing now evolved even from there? Yeah, let me let me step in I, just I, I a second before Randy answers that question. Uh, I I am blessed to have been able to work with Dick Cantor. I got to be the first guy on the pro staff for for Graphite USA and and worked hand in hand to do a, a lot of the R and D and take them and break them and see what we can make out of several different uh, blanks that that he was making with this dual helix. Uh, technology which was 20 years ahead of the rest of the world and then when it was purchased and went away um i had already gone to work with different companies but one of the people i got to work with was this brilliant man that that was making fishing rods better than anybody else for the ocean and came up with the super seekers and and some other technologies for for making rods there was seeker named randy penny so i i've had a great 
and I, I get to call this man friend also. So it's been fun for me to watch the evolution one where I worked with Graphite USA for years until they were sold off and kind of went out of business, and then to work with Randy hand in hand, and we swap a lot of things. You know, what do you think? Back and forth while we were uh, working with Seeker there, and now Randy's taking Randy's knowledge, and given that we he has learned so much about how to build this dual helix uh, composite rods from. Uh, from what Dick Cantner brought to the table, and now put that same information into the blanks and the rods today, I, I think we have something that we haven't yet seen in our fishing world, which is going to be fun to watch as the evolution of now the United Composites comes into our game. Well, Randy, what do you think? Well, we, we definitely, to answer the first question, we definitely are still utilizing the dual helix process. It's an uh, amazing process. It's, uh, it's a way of laying the graphite fibers in different directions on the blank where normally on a graphite rod the fibers all go tip to butt or what they call unidirectional. We're able to put the fibers on in three different directions, which gives the blanks incredible hoop strength, and it'll, it does allow them to be very, very thin diameter and very strong. Very blessed to have, have learned this process, and, and we've moved forward with it. We've taken the Graphite USA blanks and now come out with composite rods that we call our Elite Series. And then even beyond that, we've pushed the limits of the Graphite rods under the profile of Graphite USA and come out with some new blanks like the US-80 Tilefish blank that is just a phenomenon. I, I can't believe how many of them we build and sell. It's a, it's a Eight foot, fifty pound rod with an incredibly fast tip. But the key to the whole rod is it's a fifty pound rod with a size eight tip. I don't think there's anything like it out there. And we played around a little bit with some jig sticks. Our love for jig fishing is growing by the day, and we we've come out with some new rods: um, the one thousand Wahoo, the nine hundred Wahoo, and now we have one called the US one thousand Delmar that we named after our guys up there in Marina Del Rey on the boat Delmar because they're such avid jig fishermen. So all of this stuff is just really exciting. It's all new. Um, brand new stuff for the anglers to have something to fish with this year. You know, Randy, uh, let me ask you, when when it comes to developing a new blank, and <clears throat> David, maybe you can jump in here. I'm not as familiar with uh, the saltwater uh, blanks. You know, back when Graphite USA was going, they had the Mega Mag series, and they were trying to get into the saltwater market. But Graphite USA was probably on the leading edge when it came to freshwater swim bait rods and swim bait fishing and and how do you go about developing a new blank you know finding out the need and then figuring out just how, you know how the thing is supposed to function for what you want to do and and we've got david conway here so either one of you can take it away randy let me start off with you um it, it's really interesting but it's it's more practical than technical um, once you've been around it as long, the 20-some-odd years that I've been doing this now, and you get to look at all the different patterns and all the different mandrels, you have different tapers and mandrels, and it, it's really easy once you start looking at it with a pattern laid out on a table and then looking at what the fishing rod is supposed to do. The specific layers of patterns cause the shutoff points, and you can alter that. You can change the materials to a stiffer or softer material, and you can use the tapers on the mandrel to get the actions you require. It's really funny, but I, I've always said that we, somebody brings us something and says, man, I'd really like you to make something like this. We usually get it within the third try. And I think David will be the first one to jump up and attest to that. Yeah, I think it was two tries for, for my, my old swim 
debate, Rod. You know, Randy, though, but what what happens? So it's kind of like you know us with the fishing lures too. Uh, the 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 first uh, mold that we have, we we make the lure and then we go out and we try it and we go. Well, we think it's supposed to do that, but it doesn't actually do that. In order to get to do that, then we got to tweak this and we got to make it again and then make it a third time or a fourth time. And it it doesn't always work the first time. But are there a lot of times when you may make a uh, a mandrel for a rod and it goes, you know, this doesn't do what we were looking for it to do, but you know, this is still a darn good blank, and and there might be an application somewhere else. Um, that's probably why there ends up being a lot of prototypes on the market (laughs) (laughs) i think (laughs) well randy it's just like uh the first try of my my dc8 blank that you make for me turned out to be the first one now is your mega bass rod that you that you have it wasn't exactly my blank but it was a great blank that that's absolutely correct and i was a fun project i was so happy that you gave us the opportunity to do that dave and you know I'd like to tell everyone that you'd been with Graphite USA since the beginning and came all the way up through Hastings, and now we're very happy to say that you're with us. You've been a real asset to the company, and I just appreciate that. I hope everybody uh, gets a chance to fish your DC-8 rods and talk to you about your swim bait fishing and whatnot. Yeah, I appreciate it. I That I, that phone call you gave me was, was changed me back to being a rod builder. I, <laughs> I was so happy with the blank that I made with Roy back then, and and couldn't get it anymore, but uh, now, uh, now in the other stuff, some of the bigger bait rods that we're playing with is is getting exciting. Yeah, I agree. Well, it just seems like with these swim baits, the baits just keep growing. Uh, I guess they're growing up. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Well, right. you know, you're seeing a lot more. We were talking even with Ed, Ed Edmonds, uh, um, and he, and when Edwin was talking, he he's just now. He said even the guys back east are just now starting to get it with the swim baits, and the, and and they're becoming more and more popular. But the swim bait rods back east really are just now starting to go. These guys back east have just as much as they we talk about it out here, and you see what they're throwing back there. Um, I talked to a guy from Indiana. He goes, I'm just now starting to figure out. You know, a nine inch swim bait works better than uh, the six-inch ones if you want to catch bigger fish. And I went, well, how many other people are, are, are talking about that? He goes, it's starting to be a thing back here where we're having to use heavier rods or bigger rods that throw bigger baits. So it's, it's, I think the, the, the party is just starting, uh, and I, I love the – is your rod the DC-8 or the DV-8? Because uh, Graphite USA used to have the DV-8. Um, with Kit, when we were playing around with it, was a great stick. But um, uh, is that what we redid the DV8 or the D, is yours DC8? Yeah, DC for David Conway. But it's um, <laughs> it's something I played with with Roy um, on a small mandrel. I was doing a lot of rods that were going to Japan. They wanted yep. that smaller profile, and then we got the bend that we wanted with the smaller mandrel. So yeah, that's the DC8 that, that DC8 Randy, for David Conway. Yep. Yep. So, David, is that a 20-pound stick, or what do you utilize that for? Um, it's kind of, everybody's always said it's like the perfect Huddleston rod. It's uh, it's not too fast, but it's a little faster than most. It's still got the bend that you can throw the bait. It's not going to hurt you all day long. Um, almost all of my rods, I do spiral wrap, which kind of helps with it, too. So, I kind of play with that with that bend. Dave was saying spiral wrap, a lot of us... Sm- 
old timers might know that as the Robert's Robert Rap. Trap. Exactly. Is, Robert's is it, Rap. Yep. Is it exactly the same, or does it have some unique uh, similarities? No, about 25 years ago, I I saw the Robert Trap, and I thought I like you know the whole getting away from that lateral twist and just making I like stuff that's different. So I started playing with it, but I noticed that the traditional Robert's Rap would stack line on a level line, stack it to one side. So I started playing with the angles and a little bit different. So my I have something a little different that that changes all that, takes all that that bend out of it, and it's a little bit in my it just fixed a lot of the little little problems. So what was happening is that there were rods on the market that people thought that were revolutionary with the spiral wrap or this uh, Roberts wrap, and they hadn't figured out. They were just placing maybe uh, guides on the blank to go around the blank, but hadn't found out that there was actually a formulation that had to be used where these things had to go so that it performed the way it was supposed to perform. Yeah, exactly. Even like Megabass makes a rod that's spiral wrapped in Japan. But it stacks the line really bad. And, and there, a lot of people are just trying to get that transition from the top to the bottom. But there's actually more to it. If you look at mine, mine are a little bit off. But there's a reason to it. Randy, we got to take a break right now. Is there any way you can stay with us for another segment so we can talk more about uh, United Composites? Sure thing. All right. Well, if you've been listening, we're talking about fishing rods and swim bait rods and all kinds of great rods from United Composite. Randy Penny was with us. So is David Conway. Stan, Wendy, and I, hey, we're asking the questions. We will be back, though, after these messages. Stay tuned. There's still a lot more to come. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. 
Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. In Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Stan Whitney and I, we are happy to have you tonight. And we've got special guest with us, uh, Dave Conway who is a rod builder and swim bait expert, uh, you know, for sure. And then also from United Composites, Randy Penny is with us, and we're talking about some of the new exciting rods that are coming out of United Composites right now. And, and Randy, if, if you will, can you tell us about the different categories of rods that you're building, not only for freshwater but also saltwater fishing? Sure. Starting down on the, on the bottom end of it, we have a, a single helix line of blanks that, that are called Pioneer Series. Um, the reason for the single helix is to keep the tip sizes small and the action very light. They start with your lightest of panfish rods going all the way up through big trout rods and whatnot. And then we have our U.S. blanks, which are the saltwater, the freshwater heavier side, which is all of our bass rods, very complete, everything from five foot six all the way up to eight foot and those are those are really nice rods. Those are all dual helix rods. We have the complete line of Graphite USA blanks, which all start in U.S. and they start down around the little jigging blanks and whatnot, going all the way up to the to the ten foot stuff. All made off the original patterns, the original mandrels. I think the material has probably improved a little bit over the last twenty years, but other than that, the blanks are are very much similar to the Graphite USA blanks that you're all familiar with. And um, we have two lines of composite rods. One of them. We call the Challenger Elite, which is your bait rods, your lighter rods. Um, we also have those out in a, in a line of factory-built rods out in the dealers now. Um, and then we have um, a series of composite rods that are called Platinum Series that have the woven carbon on the outside of them. They're a heavier blank. They're faster action, really make good West Coast sport boat rods. They're just heavy-duty all the way around. And then the, probably the most exciting thing that's happened for us was the composite extreme rods that go up into the big tuna rail rods. And I think the, right now that our 7.6 Viper, the 7-foot-6 Viper, is probably the hottest rail rod out on the market right now. It just seems to be crazy. We can't build enough of them. Wow. You know, I, I see it. I've, I've seen the rod now on the last two trips that I've been on where people had them and just raved about the action and how they loved them. So it's making its own 
way into the sport fishing fleet, and, uh, and the guys are just now starting to get a hold of the the. Actually, it's kind of getting out that that's a really good choice for uh, a stick if you're going to go out and you need a big fish rail rod. And lighter weight, tons of lift power, and uh, they the actions on them are great. So, you know, you've done a great job, but, of course, you've got a long, long history of being able to build that rod in the first place. Yeah, it's just this new process has allowed us to do things differently. And like you said, the profile of the blanks is smaller but with the with the way that the dual helix and the graphite are put into the blanks, even though they're a smaller tip and a smaller diameter rod, they have more lifting power than things that I've played around with in the past. It allows you to use a little bit smaller reel seat, smaller grips, and all in all, the rod, you know, modern reels have come a long ways, and where guys used to fish 50s and 80s, now they're fishing 20s and 30s, and sure. so the lighter rods are really matching up well with these this new line of high-performance reels. And when you start you know, toting the rod and reel around that boat, especially, you know, when you're talking about that, that kind of weight and you got to hold on to it all day, it really makes a difference. And, and, uh, and you get the right rod when you get on the fish, it really makes a big difference because you need the lift power from the rod to do the work. And a lot of rods, when they bottom out, they don't have that recoil to bring it back up, which the, the dual helix rod has always had that component. It will always re- wants to return to its original uh, flat spot, and then, man, it's got a plenty of pull. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. And I thought the really unique thing about them is they're able to have a much lighter tip, so they make a better rod to get the bait out away from the boat. Yep, you can cast them easier, uh, and especially with the newer, bigger guides. You know, now that we're not doing the uh, the roller guides much anymore, you very rarely do you see that on the on the guys' rods when they're fishing 80 to 130, even then, even then you standard guides, and um, and now the titanium lightweight guides that are available on the market, and the, some of the Fuji guides that are out there makes it a whole lot easier, nicer, lighter weight rods with great action. Yeah, and they do, they're not having the problem with the spectra getting caught between the roller and the sides of the frame. So I think uh, all in all, a lot less attrition on the fish. It is. It's made a huge difference, you know, and uh, and and I we were talking even back when when uh, when you were first getting started, you know. Uh, by the way, Randy's an excellent fisherman, for all of you who don't know, and he has a real passion for surface iron that he loves to throw the iron. And we were kicking around, you know, trying to figure out what's the new, what's going to be the next, you know, rod for wahoo fishing or for surface iron, and you come up this. What the, explain what the tilefish rod is, because out here in the West, nobody knows what a tilefish is. That's an East Coast thing. Yeah, it's funny. Um, a tilefish is actually like our ocean whitefish, but they get to be 50 pounds. And the one thing that's kind of similar to the way we fish yellows out here is they catch them in the wrecks, and they're down in, in the wrecks already when they have hook them. So they need a real quick hook set, and they need to get the first couple turns on them, kind of like fishing yellows at the Farnsworth here for us. Yeah. So as soon as the... West Coast guys started fishing this rod and got a hold of it. Guys just went crazy. I mean, it's it's such a light, fishable 50-pound rod. It's amazing. So um, the tilefish rod in itself is just an anomaly. I would say you would have to try one to understand what it's all about. Really fast action, small diameter graphite blank, but has crazy lifting power for 50-pound test. So what what length do you think is best for throwing a surface iron, or do you, would you use it for yo-yo fishing also? 
I, I think it makes a really good dropper loop or yo-yo rod. Um, myself, personally, I tend to lean towards the 9- and 10-foot rods for surface iron throwing, depending on what boat you're on and how much room you have. Probably 9-foot is more usable overall. But uh, I, I like a rod that bends a little bit more, that's a little more parabolic for loading up for throwing the surface iron, where the tilefish rod throws the wahoo bomb or the heavy yo-yo jigs real well. Perfect. So what do you use for What's your rod for for your your 8 or your, your 9 or 10-foot surface iron now? Um, CE900 Wahoo is my favorite on the 9-foot, and the new CE1000 Delmar on the, tel- on the 10-foot. Well, Randy, you know, one thing I'm impressed with with uh, Graphite USA, you look at other manufacturers and with their quote-unquote entry-level rods or anything like that, those blanks are not necessarily made in the United States, but I think Graphite USA has found out a way to make all of the rods made locally uh, where you are and here in the United States. Yep, right there in Huntington Beach, California. We couldn't be prouder of that fact. Uh, I, I can imagine why not. The other thing is, you know, Graphite used to, uh, USA used to be known for just blanks, but it sounds like now you are coming up with a lot of finished product, but also you still have blanks. How does the hobbyist or... You know, the, the custom wrap guy, how do they get a hold of you to find out what the blanks are like and what blanks you have available to sell? Well, we, we, we have a lot of really strong dealers up and down the coast now that are carrying a lot of the blanks. But um, we, we do have a program for custom rod builders that have a business license and a resale permit. As long as they're legitimate and taking care of everything, we have a program just for them. It's uh, not quite the same deal as we have for the dealers, but it allows them to get in and get some blanks and build them. Great. Let me ask another question here, Randy, while we got you on here. Um, when Graphi USA was uh, going great guns back when, they found that the, the rods, you could throw a bait a long ways. They were lighter weight, very strong, and you could set the hook on them when, uh, when you needed to, and, and they wouldn't break. And the guys offshore fishing in the Calico Bass Sand Bass Arena, became, that became the rod of choice for uh, many of the years now. What have you? How are the, are you making blanks and rods in that arena now? And have they become uh, part of that new SWBA and whatever the guys are using out there now? Well, yeah, that's really interesting. And just as of recently, apparently, you know, my co-part there, Darren Doe, he has got us set up with with the saltwater bass guys, and uh, we're going to be a sponsor of some of the tournaments and whatnot. Um, that. There's that. We, we have developed some rods. We've got an amazing following on the local twilight boats for the sand bass fishery, and probably the rod of choice was the one David Conway mentioned earlier, which came about when we were building the DC-8. We call it the US-80 Megabass. And that rod, just by chance, I've been told by my tournament freshwater bass guys that that's probably the best Alabama rig rod that's ever been made also. Really? Mm-hmm. So Isn't some of these blanks they really <laughs> cross over and do quite a few different things. The tilefish blank is interesting because the guys are fishing it for tilefish on the East Coast. Now it's being used as a wahoo rod, a dropper loop rod, and a yo-yo rod out here on the West Coast. And now all of a sudden the guys in the Midwest are fishing muskie with it. So you got a blank that's capable of doing a lot of different things. Well, that says a lot about the rod. You know, you can throw a heavy weight or a heavy bait. You know, if they're the those musky guys, they're throwing four to six ounces at a at a toss a lot of the time. Yep. So that's that's uh, something for the rod, and then, and then you're hanging those muskies are like 
Wahoo, but fresh water. <laughs> they eat, they eat short to the boat, and they get pretty violent. So if if the rods will hang in and and work on that fish, that's saying something. Yeah, David, yeah, you have pretty... a comment here. Yeah, I was going to say that the first time I picked up the tilefish, the first thing I thought of is the the big swim baits, the big mothers, the big hinkles, the big swim baits we're throwing for freshwater, and and I love the look on Randy's face. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, we're throwing. You know, eight ounce, ten ounce, you know, even even stuff over a pound for these largemouth. And that tilefish was a great rod. I've built quite a few, and now I'm working on something with Randy for one that's just a little softer than that to to throw the big swim bait. So, but that tilefish is an amazing rod. Those uh, those came up this week, by the way, David. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. You know, David, <laughs> as a custom rod builder. Oh, what is the demand for when it comes to the the rods that you're wrapping uh, on uh, you know uh, United Composite blanks? The nice thing is, is guys that remember me when I did it years ago and kind of wasn't able to get the blanks. That uh, now that I'm able to get my stuff again, it's really gotten big. And kind of like Stan was saying, I get I get emails and Facebook messages from guys all over Southern California about swim bait stuff, but now it's the East Coast guys I'm sending rods out to. These guys are throwing, finally figuring out, throwing the bigger swim baits and, and needing the rods to do it. So uh, as an example, what kind of a question do they ask you, and then how do you respond to their request? Well, especially most of the guys that have been throwing maybe a five- or six-inch swim bait, now they're realizing you know, these bass eat big stuff. So they have they might have a musky rod that throws their swim bait. But, but the rods that are a real swim bait rod, and that's the thing, is Graphite USA with the old woodchucker, that that was made for swim baits. It wasn't a saltwater rod that turned over to, to be a freshwater swim bait and, rod. And what's the characteristic of that as opposed to, let's say, a mus- musky rod? Well, musky rods are kind of a tip rod. They're really heavy, so it's it's putting more pressure on the on the angler to throw them all day long. Um, our rods are a little little more bend. Some guys get into like a parabolic, so you're doing kind of a baseball cast instead of an overhand cast. So they're they're figuring out kind of the stuff that we can do to go throw that bait all day long. So my rods are a little faster with my spar wrap. A couple of things that I do, it's a little little different than most, but like I said, they're built from the ground up for swim baits. Randy, when uh, David came to you and says, hey, let's build some rods so we can chuck some uh, 10 uh, to 14 ounce baits with, did that make you a little antsy or was that uh, something that was uh, right in your wheelhouse? Well, that's not exactly how it went down. I think I showed him the blank first yep. and he realized that, wow, this is what we've been looking for. Yeah, exactly. So we had the tilefish blank there, but on that on the line of 7-Eleven swim bait rods, we have an L, an M, an MH, and an H. The L, I can say for sure, throws the little Huddleston 68 perfectly. It's the absolute perfect rod for that. Yep. Then moving up in the size of the baits as you move up through those rods. Wow. You know, Randy, uh, a dealer does not have the capabilities of, of stocking normally everything that you do have. If people want to come out and find out about your complete line, maybe uh, about a a special use rod that we haven't talked about here tonight or that not been able to find in the market, where's the best place to go for this information? Well, I mean, we do have a complete catalog out now. Darren Dohey did a very good job of getting us a catalog. I'd say the first step would be to either go on our website or or ask, you know, request a catalog from us. All right. The first. All right. I'm going to throw one thing out there too here, Randy. Since 
We're, we've, we've got this bluefin bite that's going off the beach right now. We're going to have a, another tuna year and yellowtail year here. What are the rods we'd be looking for for the guys that are fishing 25 or 30-pound string or even 20 to 30-pound string for the, the bluefin that are offshore here for that smaller stuff? And then when we get into that 30 to 50-pound fish that's out there and even bigger, which blanks or which rods will we look for from you guys? Well, that's that's interesting that you brought that up, and depending on how closely you're following that stuff, this year, over every other year, and starting with the guys on the boat San Diego and moving up, um, these guys have figured out that these bluefin want the surface iron, and they're doing a better job this year. I'd never even heard of such a thing, but, I mean, there's been more big bluefin caught on surface iron this year than even on bait, I think, at this point. And the guys are throwing the heavy stuff. They're using CE-1000 Wahoos, CE-900 Wahoos. I know Gerald Kim two weekends ago, he hooked a bunch of them. Steve Howe got a couple of nice fish. All those guys are doing a great job on the surface iron with these rods. Uh, if you're going to fish a bait rod, I would be looking at like our CP line of blanks, a 70 HP, um, 70H, 70XH in that area, CP in the CP line. All right. Well, Randy Penny from United Composites. Randy, again, give us your website that we can go to if we uh, uh, need further information on United Composite Rods. Yep, it's uh, it's unitedcompositesusa.com. All right. Well, Randy, we appreciate taking your Sunday night to, to be with us. And we used to refer to him as the new guy, and here he is, a new guy again somewhere else. Uh, Darren, <laughs> it's great to see you guys working together again, and man, you've You've got it working, and we look forward to talking to you in the future and also having some of your products here in the store. And, uh, geez, good luck to you. Great job, okay? All righty. Thank you very much, guys. All right. That was Randy Penny from United Composite Rods. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to talk more with David Conway on swim bait. So stay tuned to Rod and Reel Radio. Or you can listen to us at rodreelradio.com. And if you missed any of tonight's show, just go to the archive page at rodreelradio.com, and the show will be there in its entirety. So, more to come. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASS-BOAT. Call one 800 227 
888-242-7262 or just spell Bass Boat. 1-800-BASS-BOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASS-BOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler H2 Earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Rear Radio. We just want to remind you the Port of San Diego is going to be running Day at the Docks. Yeah, it's coming up this next Sunday, April 17th, between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. It's the West Coast's largest sports fishing celebration. The official program is now out. You can get that online by going to sportsfishing.com. I believe there will be also one in the next issue of Western Outdoor News, or you can pick one up when you get to Day at the Docks. Now, Day at the Docks is located right off of Scott Street in front of the landings there, Fisherman's Landing Point, Loma, H&M, Lee Palms. Come early, stay late, bring the kids. Don't worry if you don't know anything about fishing because this is going to be the place to do it. Come if you think you know a lot about fishing because there's going to be a lot to learn with the seminars and all the things that are going to be happening there. So that's going to be this Sunday, April the 17th, starting at 9 a.m. at Day at the Docks. Wendy and I will be there to greet you, so make sure you show up, okay? Hey, I want to welcome back to Ron Real Radio, Mr. David Conway, and he's one of the resident swim bait experts here in the Southern California area. And, and David, just to give you a, a, a general orientation, tell us a little bit about your evolution into swim baits? Well, it goes way back. Um, I still remember when I was 15, there was a guy in San Diego named Ken Locke, and he used to talk about making taking a Magnum Rapala and putting a rubber tail on it and painting it like a trout. So I, was, I remember I was 15 years old, and the first thing I did was I went to the store, I got nail polish, and I got a Magnum Rapala, and I painted it to look like a trout, and I went out, in a rental boat at Sam V on Leadcore Line, and the first big fish I caught on one, I was hooked. That was it. I knew I had to do something different from there on out. Well, you know, it, it, since then, obviously, you have worked with a lot of the the movers and shakers and names that are that are in the business. and And tell us how how that that evolution came about. Yeah, I think I've probably more work I did anything was with Jerry Rago. Um, did some stuff with him designing. Good man to do stuff with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's always got something new, and uh, but it's kind of nice. All I've I've been I've been close to a lot of the big swim bait names, a lot of the makers, because and I always look at it as, and I tell I tell kids now that are coming up in this is these guys are building tools for you, so you know do stuff for them. You know, be there for them. Don't just, you know, oh, look, I got a, I got a fish. Give me something. But, you know, help them. Give them feedback on what their bait does and, and, and help them. And I think that's kind of helped me with a lot of the makers. 
you know, well, not only the makers, but then uh, it seemed like uh, the uh, the markets uh, just outside of the United States, especially in Japan, those people were hungry for the technology that was being developed here when it came to swim baits. Tell us how you got involved yeah. with that. Um, originally, I there were some guys that came over from Japan to buy, actually buying Japanese lures here in the United States that they couldn't get over there. Uh, met these guys in a tackle shop, and we started talking, and they wanted old, antique U.S. fishing lures and reels and that kind of stuff. And back when I had the pawn shop, I had access to a lot of that stuff, so I did a lot of trading with guys in Japan. And then uh, through going to ICAST, going through different people, I started meeting a lot of these pros and, and the big fish guys over um, – like Shimada was the record holder for, for years. When, when Dottie got caught at Dixon, um, Optimum Bates brought Shimada out. And uh, so I, I was lucky enough to, to guide him and take him around to the different lakes. And he's been doing that for 10 years and brings a lot of the guys from Japan. You know, swim baits have evolved, as you said. You first started off with a, a Rapala. Remember the AC plugs? You yeah. know, I remember, uh, you know, a lot of the first plugs that came out there that had rubber tails on it yep. uh, that were made from, you know, swim bait types of things and put together. What has been some of the real innovations in swim baits since those times that you've seen? Well, a lot of, like, now uh, now it's been a couple of years, but the glide bait has been a big thing that uh, that people are fishing. The deck. And what does a glide bait do that's different than... A swim bait. So the 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 glide bait is a a single joint hard bait that glides. It goes side to side, so it's got a lot of action. Um, the guys in Japan that I know tell me that the IU, their bait fish over there, swim kind of like that. They they go back and forth. Um, years ago, oh, it's been probably ten years. I had uh, Matsumoto, who makes the Monster Jack came out with a bait, and Jerry Rago and I took him 10 days with the film crew, and we went to Paris, and we took him all over the place fishing, and I still remember him taking this bait out and throwing it, and the thing would go four feet one way and four feet the other way and swimming back and forth, and our broken Japanese asked me, what do I think? And I said, well, I could see it getting bit, but our trout don't swim like that, and that's how I found out about the IU. Um, the funny thing was he snagged it in a tree and spent 20 minutes trying to get this prototype bait. I remember out. that. Yeah. And uh, finally I was able to get him out, get it out for him, and he fell to his knees and wrapped it up in a towel because that was the first one they got to actually swim like that. So, uh, But that's that's become big now with, with guys here is fishing that bait because it does get bit. All right. And, and everyone is, uh, you know, uh, I guess the, the – you know, one of the best things or features of a swim bait that is right now is this boot tail that uh, Kenny Huddleston has on the uh, the Huddlestons. Tell us a little bit about, if you can, without going into a lot of the gory details, yeah. uh, the evolution of that uh, particular uh, technology. Yeah, the nice that that wedge style cha- tail. Um, it's got a just a subtle beat it's it's different from a boot it doesn't it doesn't twist it just has a regular like a fish tail going back and forth it's just a real subtle action and it catches fish yeah but you know like you know it's like what's new is old because that wasn't you know dreamed up by one of the swim bait guys there 
that was kind of available even way before we thought about fishing swim baits. Oh, yeah. That? Yeah. They, uh, there's other baits that have that kind of tail. It's just that subtle. But it was more little crappie jigs and other baits, but then moved into the bigger the bigger baits. So the guys were able to take that design and make it work hydrodynamically that it would fit on uh, on the swim bait. Yep, exactly. With that, with you know, Ken's body style, the way the water goes displaces on that bait, that just makes it look like it. It's just fishy. It just it just has that look, and it's an easy bait. It's an easy bait to fish. I mean, Ken did the different rate of falls, so wherever you want in the water column. It just does it, but it's just that subtle. But that's more, and guys are starting to figure that out. Butch Brown's talking more about it, but most guys think that swim baits are only when the trout are getting stocked. But nope, I always nope, tell people, nope, if, nope, nope. <laughs> I always tell people, if I, if I took you to McDonald's and they put steak and lobster in front of you, you wouldn't go. They don't serve this at McDonald's. I can't eat this. You'd eat it, and that's the same thing. And that's the glide bait is the bait to fish in the summertime and most guys don't understand that but that more it's more action where the where the huddleston type bait is more winter time when it's slower yeah i I agree wholeheartedly on that that the hud when you want to fish in colder water and the fish are off those edges a little bit or if you want to fish deep to shallow that's the bait you want that glide bait works great when we've got a little weed cover growing and that you want to Work just outside that or over the top of that. Oh yeah, um, that is just a—it's a real killer. I mean, B- Butch got going with the the glide bait on Lower Cas- or Castaic at the Lower yeah. Lake there yeah, when the lots would grow up, and they'd put those stalker fish in there, and he would just run that thing back across the the, the tops of that, just right on the edges of the weed line. They just killed that dude. Yep. Um, now he's using it. The, the lower lake isn't doing as well as it used to. Of course, it's got a lot less water in it, too. But yep. the upper lake's going gangbusters, and the stripers of fishermen have got on that bait now. And it's been killer up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I think it was 2000, 2001, when we had our first seminar here at Angler's Arsenal. When it came to swim baits, and we invited uh, Mickey Ellis from 316, Mike Long was here, John Kerr was here, uh, Mike Gash was here, and we we had a big bait seminar, and I was thinking, you know, like everyone else, well, you know, it's rainbow trout is what they're going to be using. And Mike Long shows up, and he's got a pile full of spent baits. And in that pile full of spent baits, there is not one rainbow trout. Yep. The color that he was using, and he had a lot of confidence in, was actually a baby bass. And that's, I think, when we got, at least, you know, the light went on in my head that, hey, they're they're eating big baits, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a rainbow trout. So, right. so my, my question to you is, what are some of the patterns that are out there that seem to be working well, and are there other times of the year that they work better than other times of the year? Yeah, I think the biggest thing now, and, and, and people are understanding it, is the color carp. How many times do you go to a lake and see little carp swimming around? You just don't see it because that's what they're eating. And you would, <laughs> what would you call a carp color? Uh, so it's, you know, a goldish back, gold brown back baits. Um, white like belly. The, yep. And yeah, a white goldish belly. brown top on it and, uh, or, or, it just it's not a silver bait at all. 
Right. Um, you look in the water, you see the color of the suckers of the carp that are in there, and that's what that's what is he, they're talking about. If you go up to Clear Lake, it's you know they've got their their own style of baits, but it's almost the same color up there too that you'd fish. But it didn't make any difference where you go with that. And I'll give you the other colors that just if you've got something that's white, any white belly, not not something you see through, but an opaque white belly on on a bait. And it can be a blue back, it can be a black back, it can be any any kind of color like that. That's a universal style swim bait because every fish in the lake will will take a shot at something that looks either shad or bluegill or, you know, it doesn't have to have spots or stripes. It can just be something that will be uh, available in a, the basilinum. I mean, you can go up to... To any of these local lakes, even in the Sierras, trout will eat uh, a swim bait too, guys. It's it's getting to be a new little thing up there that they're learning how to throw them. So don't be afraid. You know, take something out there, and uh, and if you've got a mark slide, you can even mark up a swim bait with it, guys. Yep. Yep. And I even my thing is is I, I fish everything. I, I you know I'm not just a bass fisherman. I grew up on the ocean. I fish the Sierras, but. I go up to Pyramid Lake outside Reno, and we're fishing these big cutthroats up there. And oh, I'm, man. I'm, and it's it's amazing. And I I was kind of on the front of doing the indicator fishing up there. And, uh, you know, most of the guys are throwing a, a streamer. But I did something, and the last couple of years I've gone up and tried to kind of keep it quiet. But but I think it's a good thing is throwing the 6-inch Huddleston up there or the grass minnow up there because those, those big fish are eating the tui chubs. Sure. And uh, I had one come off of my fly rod, and this thing was nine, the two jump was nine inches long. So I went, okay, if they're eating that big stuff, and yeah, I've kind of cleaned up fishing that up there. You know, and David, we happened to mention Jerry Rago. Jerry Rago fishes for what, and what does he use <laughs> to catch those big watts? Yep, he fishes brown trout. He, and, he, and he, he, last week, he got two over ten. And he's fishing them on. I uh, can't fish and swim baits. He's fishing swim baits. And big swim baits. Yeah. Hey, guys, you know, the time went by way too uh, uh, quickly. David, can we have you back again? Because we just scratched the surface on oh, swim baits. So absolutely. There's a lot of interest in that. You bet. Oh, I look forward to having you back. Hey, Stan, we didn't even get a chance to talk about uh, the week uh, that you had fishing in Windy. We didn't even get a chance to talk to you about your bow hunting. We're going to have to save that for another time. But, you know, thanks a lot for your contributions, guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. I mean, it was fun to talk to to all of the people we had on tonight. Great show, a lot of information. All right. And, Wendy, you take care. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday at Day at the Docks. I will see you then. All right. And believe me. Wendy will be nowhere near as quiet next Sunday as she was tonight. I can assure you of that. Hey, guys, that's it for tonight. We wanted to thank our guests that came along tonight. want to thank Jorge and our AM540 studios for making this all work. We kind of made it difficult for them tonight because a lot of these schedules weren't put together until almost right the beginning of the show. want to thank Ben Harvey always for putting together uh, the format of the show. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Captain Eddie McCune for leaving us this format that is Rod and Real Radio. For most of all listeners, thanks a lot for giving up some of your Sunday night to be with us here on AM540. you got to search us out, and that's why we try and make it 
worth your while every night. So on behalf of the gang, you go out there. Let's go fishing this weekend. We want to hear all about it next Sunday night when Wendy and I and David and maybe a few others will be at Day at the Docks. Make sure you come up and say hello to us. So on behalf of all the gang, get out there. Go fishing. We'll see you on the water. We're out for now. Good night, everybody. Where you left a row have done.